John chapter 11. Go ahead and stand. We're going to read just the first five verses. We're going to talk about this whole chapter. This whole chapter is dealing with the resurrection of Lazarus. And then the last part of the chapter deals with how the people responded to the resurrection of Lazarus. Because if I'm telling you, if someone got resurrected from the dead, I, there, there, I, I would not be opposed to it. I would love to have seen that. But there's always things when there's something good, there's always something bad. And we're going to talk about faith this morning. We're going to talk about believing. We're going to talk about salvation this morning. And, and the first five verses says this, Now a certain man was, na- was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick, referring to Lazarus. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is, unto the, is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. It says in verse number 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and look at the last two words, and Lazarus. We're going over to be like, to be like Christ. And, and I'm reading the Gospels. This, this week I was a little bit not as good because I wasn't feeling as well, but I'm reading the Gospels every week. And when you read the Gospels, you truly understand who Christ was. You understand his personality. You understand what he was. He was a kind and a humble man. It wasn't about him. He never brought attention to him. In fact, if anything, he tried to shed it off of him. And yet, he was, he was the Son of God, he was the Son of Man, and he, he was our salvation. We're going to talk about salvation this morning, but I was thinking about the four we looked at. We looked about his selflessness, and we talked about when he washed the 12 disciples, and if you and I were doing it, we would probably wash 11 and leave Judas out, but he was so selfless that he still washed Judas's feet. We talked about how Judas must have thought when he was walking away and his feet were clean. Maybe he looked down at his feet and thought, this, this man I'm about ready to betray, he, he's the one that what, he knew what I was going to do before I was going to do it, and yet he still did it. So he was selfless, and we talked about him being a servant. We talked about the ten lepers, and one came back and thanked him, the other nine. He knew they weren't, those other nine weren't going to come back and get him. We talked about the Savior last week as is the death, burial, and resurrection. That's what Christ was. And I want to talk to you. It's in the same line, but I want to talk to you how Christ was the owner. He was our, he's our salvation. He's the one that brings us salvation. And I want you to kind of think a little bit outside the box this morning when we look at a few things. Salvation, that is why he came, this is why he died, and this is why he rose again. And it's all, it's all on faith, believing, and accepting that salvation. If you're in my Sunday school class, we're going over how to witness to people, and, and there's a certain way that you can do it with the law, and, and I'm excited to go and, and try it. I tried it this week, and you could talk to people about salvation. You could talk to them about what your Savior is, and that's our responsibility. It's not just the preacher's responsibility. It's not just the assistant pastor's responsibility. It is everybody's responsibility. We're supposed to tell others about that. But when I was thinking about um, salvation and, and faith, and I want to take a biblical definition of what faith is. You can take Hebrews chapter 11. You don't need to turn there. We're going to look at John 11 just solely within itself in just a second. But Hebrews chapter 11 defines faith as this. Faith is, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidences of things not seen. We understand that the worlds were framed, were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. That's referring that God made everything. Then it says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Christ always taught his disciples about faith and believing. There was numerous times he taught them about things, and we're going to get into that in just a second. But it wasn't until after the 11 saw him die, and then they, in their appearance, he came, he came back and showed himself to, to them that they truly understood the power. They doubted everything. And, we, and you've heard me say this. Thomas was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. All the other disciples would have done the same thing. And so all of a sudden they come in, they see the power that he was. He used parables to teach about believing in faith. He used situations and statements. Look at John chapter 11. He's trying to tell them what's going on, and he tells them, and then he has to just bluntly say, this is what it means. Look at verse, verse, number, verse number 7. It says, um, Then after that, that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, are, are there not twelve hours in a day? If a man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of, the, of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend, because the disciples knew him, Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. Now, if you just think about this story, he's telling the disciples that he sleeps, and he knows what he's saying, but the disciples are sitting back going, why do you have to go wake him up? And then watch what he says. He uses his teaching example. He said, then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. And verse number 14, he just goes out and tells them, he says in verse 14, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He wanted, he's going to use this as a teaching moment, and they have no idea. Now put yourself in their spot. They have no idea what he's about ready to do. He knows exactly what he's going to do. It's a teaching moment, and it's going to talk about salvation for this man. Miracles, just like parables, were teaching examples. I believe miracles are in, were in existence for two reasons, and here they are. This is my personal opinion. The first one is to supply a need or a want. Now, when I refer to that, I'm talking about these people. You know how many miracles Jesus said, and it's recorded in, in the, in the um, Gospels? There's 37 of them, and 26 of them are with healing situations. So he, he, they had a want or a need, and, and he helped them, and he healed them. And some of them, he healed them over a long period of time before they, they, were, they were sick. And all of a sudden, he brings them in and says, okay, this, there was a lady with 12 years of blood. She had an issue with that, and he healed her. Remember, the lady touched his garment. And then there's other things, wants and needs. Remember, he fed 5,000 people. This is a want or a need. But the second reason I feel like miracles were there is to show the power over human comprehension. Because we, we, we look at things that are okay, walking on the water. Have you ever felt like you, you went to somebody's house and you, they got a pool? Let's say you go to Phyllis' house, you got a pool and say, Phyllis, watch this, I'm going to walk across the water. Do you think you could do it? I would not do that unless I had bad clothes on. Because I know right when I step in that water, what's going to happen? I'm going to sink. I, I have less faith than Peter did. Amen? So th there's that, and there's some other miracles he did. I got some calming the storm. He turned the water to wine to show how powerful he was. So when you look at these, you have all these miracles and 36, 37 different ones. And, and as you look at them and, and you see how Christ did it, 
I want to ask you this simple question. I asked my Sunday school class this, and we all came in agreement with this, and, and I feel this is a true statement. Was everyone that got healed saved because of their healing? Now, don't answer that real quick. Think, of, think it. In other words, when the man was healed with his sight, did that mean he goes to heaven? No. He was saved from his situation, but it wasn't eternal salvation. Now, they understood all these things, and that's the way I feel with this. As, as you look at this, they were not healed automatically. They had to understand the death, burial, and resurrection to get the salvation that we have. But he was always perpetually teaching them. He wanted them to believe in him. And how many times did they let him down? Numerous times. They would come to him, the feeding of the 5,000. We can't do this, so let's just send them off and go buy their own stuff. He said, no, set them down, let's pray, and we'll, let's break this bread. And the storm comes up, and Jesus at one point is in a boat sleeping, and they wake him up. We're going to die here. And he says, no, 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 peace be still, and the waves go calm. I'm telling you, we have a wonderful Savior that's trying to teach us, and he does things through us, and I want you to see this. John 11, 1 through 5 are the opening statements on this, and it sets us up of what's going to happen. The whole chapter is dealing with Lazarus and the reactions. And, and he loved Lazarus, as I said in verse number 5, but Christ was always teaching about faith and believing. John 11, verse 6, it talks about him waiting two days. He doesn't just wait for the 20 minutes to happen and go over and heal him. He waits two days there. And when they get there, how many days has he been dead? He's been dead four days. And so there's no, no way someone could say, oh, he's alive in there. In fact, what did they say when he said, roll the stone away? Martha looked at him and said, Don't, he's, he stinketh. He's been in there too long. You're going to go in there, and it's going to smell real bad. Don't do this. And again, he's talking to them and teaching them about their belief systems. In verses 7 through 14, as we've read, he's teaching his disciples. And I want you to read this. Let's go to verse number 39, and then we're going to get into the believing side in just a second. Verse number 39 is actually the story of when, when Lazarus comes forth. In verse number 39, Jesus saith, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he had been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, said, I not, unto, I not unto thee, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which standeth by, I said it, said it that they may believe that thou, that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he and his dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. I, I think this is very interesting because here... They have no idea what he's about to do. He's never done this before. This, this man's been dead for four days, and he brings them up. It's showing the power of the resurrection in a person. And let me say this. Lazarus had nothing to do with this resurrection. He was just the person that Jesus used. The power behind this resurrection was not Lazarus saying, okay, I can get up and walk. The power was Jesus giving him the power to get up and walk. Sometimes we underestimate who Jesus is and what he can do for you. And I can tell you, he can do miracles and show himself to you. 
And these, people, these disciples, they heard everything. The stone was there. They saw it moved away. And here, he's just showing them exactly what faith is all about. Why faith and why believing? I'm going to give you four aspects of this, four parts of this in this story that we're going to look in John chapter 11 about believing. Do you realize the word believing is found all throughout this? This whole thing was done for people to believe who Jesus was. I'm telling you, you read the Gospels, you'll fall in love with Christ more and more every day because you realize how little you are and how great He is. He was not one that would get in your face. He's not one that was going to be yelling at you. He was going to be one that was teaching you and showing you by example how you need to believe and have faith. Are things happening in your life that are showing you that you need to believe and have faith? Absolutely. As I shared with the, the Sunday school class this morning, I was witnessing to somebody this week, and all of a sudden, they, they felt comfortable with me, and they just started talking to me and talking to me and talking to me. And, and sometimes we feel, uh, we're talking again in Sunday school about this, we have to do this lifestyle thing where we have to get to know them. That's not necessarily true. Jesus didn't know a lot of these people, and he went up and he healed them, and he talked to them and pointed them back to, back to himself and back to God. And you, you just get there and you start sharing your, your, your salvation to people. They will open up to you. They will. They want to know about this Christ. And here, let's look at some things in here. First of all, number one, life is situations to teach you faith. Do you realize God brings things in your life to teach you faith? Absolutely he does. You know, it, it's amazing how different people see things. I'll give you an example, and I've talked about my wife's cancer before, but she had a cancer count. They said if it's 35, it was bad. If it's 65, it was real bad with a tumor, and she had 644. The first doctor was a Christian, and he said, I can't do anything with this. This is off my, out of my pay factor. You, you need to go to somebody else. And so he, he sends us to another person. He does another test, and she's 722. She's raised it in, in, in a week to 722. He takes the test, we do the surgery, there's some masses removed, endometriosis, and they do this CA-125 again. Remember, there's a doctor over here that's a Christian, there's actually two doctors over here that are Christian, there's one that's not. When they do the CA-125 this next time to figure out how much chemo and radiation she has, she has a CA-125 of zero. The doctor over here that was unsaved said, we must have read those questions wrong, read those answers wrong. I said to him, I said, they did three or four tests on her and all the numbers were off the chart. He said, well, I'm just telling you, we must have read the charts wrong. You go over here to these two doctors that were Christians, you know what they said? That's just a miracle, and I cannot even believe it. It's just all in the perspective of the way you look at things. It's what, if you believe in God or you don't, what are you going to believe in? Are you going to believe in those tests? Because you know what? I'd rather be the guy on this side than the guy on this side. Because we have a higher being. Okay. If I were to take a painting and put a painting up in front of you. For a painting to exist, there has to be a what? This is not a hard question. It has to be a what? A painter, okay, right? If there is a creation out here that we are, there has to be a creator. And we've got to see that. There's faith in all this. And here he's talking, he's, he's trying to show the people what's going on. Life is situations to teach you faith. Go to verse number 7 in, in John chapter 11. Here he's talking about all these things, and, and he tells them, um, in verse number 14, we've already read all this about he, how he's telling the disciples he's sleeping. No, he, I was trying to tell you that he's, 
he's dead, but you didn't get it, so here he is dead. Now watch the next verse. Go to verse number 15. It says, and I am glad for your sake that I was not there to the, to the intent that ye may, what's the next word? Believe. See, he's taking the ones that he loved, Larry, and he's saying, listen, I'm going to teach you something here. You all love Lazarus also, but he's dead, and we're going to bring him back to life. And they had never done that before. And so he gets on his way, and, and it wasn't on man's timetable either. It wasn't the, the 15 minutes where they do CPR, and they bring him back, and everything's okay. He was dead for four days. And later on, they would see a child do this. They would see other people that would be raised from the dead, and people would like, oh, man, I just can't believe this. Because I'm telling you, God is always teaching us through situations. He was teaching his disciples right there, those close to him, in verse 15, that they would believe. And these are men that gave up everything to be with him. But yet they still needed to understand. Verse number 15 continues to read, it says, Nevertheless, let us go unto him. He could have just spoken the word from where he was at, and it would have been healed. Remember the centurion that walked up said he had a servant that was sick. And he said, well, let me go to your place. And the centurion said, you, I command a lot of people. All you got to do is say the word, and when I say the word to people, they'll do it. He said, all you got to do is say the word, and, and that person will be healed. And guess what? He never went and visited him, but that servant was healed because of the faith that the centurion had. And so here he's trying to teach us. Watch this. As individuals, life is situations to teach you faith. You ever been there? What's God trying to teach you right now through faith? Believing in something you can't see. Not understanding why you're going through a situation. And, and you got to understand with this whole thing, they love Mary and Martha also. And they knew who this Lazarus was. And they were, they were wanting to go see them. But the first one is this. Life is situations to teach you faith. Number two, life is situations to teach the world faith. Those around you. They're going to see what you are. Show them that you have faith. And some of you are going through some, some situations with maybe health ailments that you have to go through. Be positive about them. They're there for a reason. You know what I find myself doing? I try to get myself out of situations. Because I'm a person just like you. So if a bad thing happens, you know what I want? I want to get out of that bad thing and get something good. Amen? I'd much rather eat dessert than my green beans. Amen? Collard greens, sorry ma'am, I don't eat those. My wife loves those. She can try those all she wants, okay? With or without vinegar. But you know, as I look, I, I, I try to get out of things and out of things and out of things. And you know what God does? He brings things into your life to increase your, your faith. And so when he does that, guess what? When you increase your faith, it's going to be a struggle, right? If it was easy, everybody would do it. And that's the problem. We sometimes try to run from these situations. It's a bad situation. I need to get out. But you know what? Not only is life a situation to teach you faith, but life is a situation to teach the world faith. Go to verse number 20. Now Martha comes along the scene. Then Martha, in verse number 20, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary still sat at the house. Then saith Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And so she goes to the biblical terms and she starts talking to him. Look in verse number 24. 
It says in verse number 24, Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? See, he's, he's trying to teach other people through this situation. Here he sits down with Martha and he says, listen, you've got to believe me with this. You ever been so strongly in a, in a situation where you say, you've got to believe me on this. This is the truth. Well, here you're talking about who truth is, who the Word is, and the Word was, was God. And this is Jesus right here. And he's saying, listen, it's going to be okay. We're going to take care of him. Life is situations to teach the world faith. Who had known that he had died by then? Everybody had. There were actually Jews that went there to console her and her, and her, and her sister. And so they're all there, and the disciples are all there, and here's this Jesus of Nazareth comes in, and, and they know that Jesus loved Lazarus. And here Jesus is going to use this as a teaching method to tell them, listen, the world needs faith. A lot of people knew about it. And the third one is this. Not only is life a situation to teach you faith, life is a situation to teach the world faith, but life is a situation to teach personal faith. Now, if I were to ask you right now what you're going through that's a struggle, what would it be? Now, don't blurt it out, but maybe it's a health ailment. You know, I've gotten at a point now where when I get up from sitting a long time, I walk like an older gentleman until I get my back going. Amen? And I'm hoping no one's watching me. But I worked with a man out in California that had rheumatoid arthritis. And no one could hear him out in the crowd. No one could hear him. But when he would get up, there's sometimes we'd have to help him up. And you'd hear him grunting on, on the platform. They knew to turn his mic down before he got up. He would grunt, he'd walk up, and he would hold the pulpit. And sometimes he would hold the pulpit just to keep himself standing. And I remember sometimes he'd point, you'd see the arthritis in his fingers. But I never heard him complain about it. But I did know one time he took a medicine and um, it made him feel better. You know why he had to stop taking the medicine? Because someone took notes about him and wrote and said that because what the medicine made his hair turn blonde. And they wrote in a newspaper that went all across America saying he is, he is giving to the California liberal people and he's dyeing his hair. And I thought to myself, what kind of world are we living in? They have no idea what this man's going through. And I didn't agree with everything he did, but I saw a man struggling to get up. You know what he did? He quit taking the medicine. And then he would have to struggle to get up again. You know why? Because people sometimes just say hurtful things. And we've got to get back to understanding that sometimes God's going to bring you through to teach you the faith that you need. You need this salvation. You need this faith. You need this believing. Martha has just told them that, uh, that he, she believes that he could heal them. She understands that, that she, she loves Jesus. But let's look at Martha again. You've got to go down a few more verses. In verse number 26, it says, but, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith to him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Now, jump over and see the other verses we've already read, but in verse number 39, it wasn't Mary that says this back to him. He goes and he goes to the tomb in verse number 39. He says, Take the, roll the stone away. And it's Martha, the same one that said she believed in him, that says this. It says, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time 
he stinketh. It's not Mary that said that. It's Martha, the same one. For he hath been dead for four days. Okay, let me ask you this simple question. Did Jesus know that Lazarus had been dead for four days? Yes, he did. Did Jesus know what was going to happen? Yes, he did. Did Martha? No, she didn't. She was afraid it was going to be an embarrassment to her family and to Jesus. Re continue reading. It says, Jesus said unto her, Say I not, not unto thee, that if thou wouldest, what's the next word? Believe. He's teaching Mary, Martha, his disciples, the, the Jews, the Pharisees, all these people are watching this whole situation. And he's teaching them that they just need to believe. How many of you believe in a higher being? I do. It's called God. It's called his son Jesus. And you know what? He's always teaching us things. So, here we go. We've got... Life is a situation to teach you faith. Life is a situation to teach the world faith. Life is a situation to teach us personal faith. And the last one is this. Life is a situation to make a choice about your faith. You can either be the doctor over here or the doctor over here. It's your choice. You say, well, how did people respond? Just like they would today. Just like they would today. If you walked up to somebody, let's say you had your vision was gone and, and, you, and you were healed by, by, by a miraculous thing and you went and told people, you know what, what people would, some people in this room would say, oh, that's a wonderful miracle. Other people go, okay, what was he doing? What, what happened? Was he really blind before or was he just faking it? Don't we do that sometimes? We're skeptical. Okay, let's look and see how this ends. Go to verse number 41. It says in verse number 41, And then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Verse number 42, And I know that thou hearest my prayers, but because of the people which stand, watch this, because of the people which stand by I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Here's that word believe again. He's saying, all these people around me, Lord, just show them how powerful you are. Life is situations to make a choice about faith. So what are you going to do about your faith? Keep reading in verse number 43. And when he had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, saying, Lazarus, come forth. Now, I've heard preachers get up and say, he said Lazarus so everybody else wouldn't come forth. I've heard a preacher say that. Hey, Lazarus knew who he was talking to. And so what does Lazarus do? He comes out. And watch verse number 40. I mean, 44, it says, And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Now, do you not think at that point people were coming over after the, after the case and wanting to meet this Lazarus? Lazarus has just jumped so many spots on his Facebook page, amen? Because everybody knows who Lazarus is. And they want to go meet him. They want to meet Mary. They want to meet Martha. They want to find out what's going on with him. But look in verse number 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, what's the next word? Believe. So the Jews, some of the Jews were there, and they saw it. And they believed that Jesus was the one that did this. They believed on it. But there's always skeptics in every crowd. Because if you continue reading, it says, But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Now, I want to ask you, 
What was the thing they could have said? You, I'm trying to find a negative side of this. Is there a, I can't find it. I mean, there's no doubt, Ray, that he was dead for four days. There's just no doubt. And, and in fact, his own, daughter, his, own, his own sister said, don't open him up, he'll smell bad. But there's some guys that were there and saw the whole thing, and they came back and they were mad about it. I wonder if they went to Lazarus and talked to him and saw what he had to say about it. I guarantee you, Larry, they did not do that. And if you were Mary and Martha, you'd been pretty excited about what happened with their brother. And so here you have this whole thing, and they go back. You say, well, how do you know how it ended? Go to the last verse in this, in this chapter. Last verse in this chapter says this. Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he was, he should show it that they might take him. And they weren't taking him for a good reason. They wanted to, they wanted to destroy him. Now, let's talk about your salvation. The salvation of Lazarus was this is a miracle that took place that was a need and a want. It also showed the, the powerful side of who Christ was. But these, these guys here, they hadn't met, they hadn't, they hadn't seen Christ's whole journey. If you do, do, you do studying in the um, Gospels, how long did Jesus minister to people? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. His miracles that he did, three and a half years. They had not seen his death yet. He had talked about them and he's trying to confer to them. And what's, what's the story of Lazarus telling them? That he can overcome death. Jesus can. That's what this whole story was about. To show them that when he talks about in three days he will rebuild this temple, they would understand it when they saw him again in the upper room. And can I as, I, as I look at this, we have more than what the disciples do because we've got the whole gospel. And the whole gospel tells me this, that I've got to believe that I'm a sinner. I've got to believe that I've done something wrong. And everybody in this room, I can tell you that we all have one thing in common, one sin we've all done. We are all liars. Amen? We are born liars. We have our, our little hoodlum with us this weekend, and she's a born liar. She's cute, but she's a born liar. And so we are all liars. We've broken that commandment. And I could go through all the commandments and show you where you've broken them. But you've got to see that you're a sinner. The world's got to see that they're a sinner. We've got to believe in something. It's amazing that people believe in evolution over creation. It takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does creation. Just think about that. I don't want to believe I came from a monkey. I don't want to believe I came from a speck of dust. And if we did come from monkeys, think about this. Wouldn't we all have different aspects of us, like some of us might have hairy ears or a tail? Or Think about this. We don't all evolve the same way, right? But all of a sudden, we, we look at this and we think evolution's everything. No, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does for creation. But you've got to see, and people have got to see, that they're sinners. The disciples had to see that they were sinners. Which disciple was the one that realized he was a sinner the first? Judas did. He realized what he had done. Did he ever recant it? No, but he committed suicide. He knew that he had done wrong. But watch this. 
You've got to, people have got to realize they're a sinner and know they have a sinful state. But then they have to believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for them to get salvation. And it's the rising again. It's the death and the blood on the cross, dying, put in a grave, and then he rises again three days later. And that's what salvation's all about, and believing in him, and then asking him in your heart. But they've got to see a need for that salvation. If they don't see that they're a sinner, they will never have that salvation. Because if, if you were not a sinner and Jesus died for your sins, he died in vain. He died for the purpose of your sins, past and future, so that you'd go to heaven. That's what believing, that's what faith's all about. And he's trying to tell his disciples all the way through this. He teaches them along the way, and he shows them that they have to believe in this. I wonder how many of them, to the point where Lazarus walks out, really believed that Jesus was going to be able to do this. I wonder if they really thought, oh my word, what? Have you ever put yourself in that situation? And I wonder how many of them said, wait, I'll believe it when they take the, the, the napkin off his face and I can see him. I'll believe it when I can talk to him, because that's how we are. And Jesus wants us to believe, go back to the definition, what's faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then it also says in the definition, it says, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? Do you have that faith? Jesus is trying to teach us faith, just like he tries to teach our disciple, his disciples in, in John chapter 11. What is he doing this week to teach you your faith? Is it a health ailment? Is it a financial thing? Is it a problem you have to deal with family? There's always things that God is trying to teach you through faith. We often, so often, try to get out of that thing because it's a problem and we don't want to learn what we're supposed to learn. And you know what Jesus does? God in his sovereign wisdom will put you through the same situation again until you get it. He's always teaching you faith. And you know what? I'll end it with this. You know what's interesting about this with the disciples? How many times you read the gospel that he tells the disciples what to do and they're wrong? I mean, they just don't get it. And he tells them again, and he tells them again, and he tells them again, and he tells You know what I like about God? He's patient with us. Where's your faith at this morning? Is it growing? I mean, what situation is God putting you in to increase your faith? He does with me all the time, and I know he does with everybody in this room. But what is it, and what are you learning through your faith? Is it getting stronger, or is it getting weaker? It's up to you, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Life is situations to teach you faith. Life is situations to teach the world faith. Life is situations to teach us personal faith. He's a personal Savior with personal faith. And life is a situation to make you choose about faith. If we were honest with ourselves and we were talking about faith, is your faith being increased? You don't understand what I went through, Pastor Weiner. What's God trying to teach you? God will not put you in a situation that you cannot handle with him. With him and you, he is, it is a majority. You're not walking alone. And as Lazarus walked out, you could almost see the disciples' strength in their faith.
You know what? The next miracle's going to come on. They're going to go, I don't know if you can do it. Boom, it's going to come back up. Isn't that what our life is? Sometimes we don't realize where God is. And then we hit the bottom and he brings us right back up to the top. It's the last time you thank God for him teaching you faith. It's the last time you thank God for believing in what he's showing you. Lord, I love you. And this was to me. Sometimes we go through situations. I go through situations. I go, what are you trying to teach me, Lord? What are you trying to teach me? What, what are you trying to teach me through this situation or that situation? You're trying to increase my strength. You're trying to increase my faith. Lord, may we get back to understanding that Jesus is a teaching Messiah. He's a teaching Savior. He is the salvation for my soul, and he's the salvation for my situation. Lord, I thank you for always being there with me through the good times and the bad times and making me what I need to learn and teach me what I need to learn as we go through these, this process. Lord, you know exactly what we need every step of the way. Lord, guide me. Let me understand what I need. Show me where it's evident that you have something for me. Be with these people as they're, as they're going through and you're teaching them faith. And you're trying to strengthen their faith. Lord, may we not just bucket and try to get away and say, no, I don't want this. I don't want, I want to get off this ride. I want to get on something else. I want to get on something that's smoother. Lord, may you teach us while we're going through these battles and these storms that you're the one that can step out at any time and say, peace, be still, and the storm be calm down. Lord, may you be the one that walks on the water with me, walks through situations through me. And will you make me strong through it? Be with these people. And if there's someone in here that doesn't have this salvation, they've got to realize that they're a sinner. And there's no way. I would love to take their place and, and, and be able to do it for them, but I can't do it. And you say, well, we've been in church so many years. and That's, that's the devil telling them that, that church membership is salvation. That's not what salvation is. Teach them. Un, let them understand that they need to believe in Christ. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being selfless. Lord, I thank you for being a servant, and I thank you for being our salvation. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you could stand for us. With no one looking around, how many of you would say, Pastor Wagner, there's things in my life right now that God's trying to teach me faith. Would you raise your hand all over the auditorium? Don't run from it. Don't run from it. Understand that God wants to teach you something through it. And on the other side, you'll be stronger for it. Because you know what? There's going to be someone coming up right behind you that's going to need you to point them the right direction. And you get through that storm, you can look at them and say, hey, I've been through that storm. We can do this together and I'll pray for you. And then there's a salvation in here. How many of you, without no one looking around, would say, you know, my salvation is concerning me. I don't know if something were to happen to me today if I would go to heaven. Would you raise your hand? No one's looking around. It'll just give me an opportunity to pray for you. I appreciate your honesty. Lord, you need to get that settled. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the story of Lazarus. I thank you for the, the, the power that you have on a resurrection to raise a man from the grave power you had on your resurrection that you raised from the grave for me. Now there's people in here that are, are, are going through a situation about their faith. 
You know exactly what they need, and you need to be their strength, and they need to have you as their strength, and they need to get it settled today where they'll learn what, they're, what you're trying to teach them. Lord, be with us at this time of invitation that maybe if God spoke to them, is sit in their pew or come to this old-fashioned altar and pray and say, I don't know what you're trying to do, Lord, through this, but you're going to teach me faith. And I want my faith increased. I want my believing increased. I want my salvation that you have for me. Thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, as the piano starts, invitation is open.